Uh, this is Dr. Dave coming to you live from Southern California as my last podcast number 17 was preceded by 16. Uh, 17, the last one was your road to Damascus and what's missing inside you. 16 was the plan out of planet Earth and its craziness. So if you haven't listened to 16 and 17, this number 18 podcast picks up where we left off. And if you remember, when we left off, we were in the book of John, 1st John. And it was John and 1st John. This is 1st John. And we ended up with chapter 1, verse 10, which is, we claim we have not sinned, we make him, Jesus, Lord, God, out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Going to chapter 2, we'll start there, pick up back in John after this, and we'll conclude with some thoughts. So, we talked about your road to Damascus. We talked about who came to pay that price. We talked about grace being unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. You didn't work for it. You don't earn earn it. And it's a free gift. So, as we pick up our reading and looking at the owner's manual, uh, we're going to start out where we left off. So 1 John 1, 1 through 10 is done. We're in 1 John chapter 2. So for everyone that's just starting out, I ask you to get an NIV, New International Version. So I'll be reading from that. So if you went out and got it and you have it, um, it'll coincide with what I'm reading. Other versions aren't different. They're just translations into newer vernacular and words that we use today that are more common than words that were used then. But I always like to go back to my old King James because that's where I cut my teeth and that's where I fell in love with the word and spent hours and hours reading and studying it. And the deeper you get into it, it's like one of those mind you go into on some discovery channel and you the deeper you get in it, the more crystals you find and you you pick at, at it with a little pickaxe and the more deeper you get, you see more jewels and you can mine the Bible like you mine a mine and you can pull out of it gold and silver and spiritual gifts that are way beyond any wealth on earth could possibly give you. So starting our reading in 1st John, which is past John, the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Bible is divided by, into two, Old Testament, New Testament. In verse 1 of 1st John chapter 2, it says, My dear children, he calls us children, because to come to Christ, you have to be have childlike faith. You have to have that innocent childlike faith. My dear children, I write this to you. What is he writing? He's writing an epistle. He's writing a letter. He's writing. I just finished a book by a very good author, um, Man at Arms. 
Stephen Pressfield. Stephen Pressfield has written quite a few books on biblical and other topics. And he wrote this fiction about the Romans trying to stop one of the epistles, one of the letters, one of the written words that was going from Ephesus out to the churches from the Paul, St. Paul. Do you remember the road to Damascus was Saul turning to Paul? And if you didn't get that, go back and listen to it. Because your road to Damascus is how you, on your trip through life, come to accept Christ or come to reject. If you have not accepted him, you've rejected him. So right now, you stand on the dark side. Make it Darth Vader, Star Wars, darkness. And then there's light. And I told you before on my road to Damascus, I couldn't read the Bible, understand the Bible up from down, side to side. What was old, new, didn't mean anything to me until I came out of the darkness and into the light. I didn't do it. I just accepted what was before me. So he writes to us, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Do we sin as Christians? Yeah. Daily? Yeah. But we strive not to. It's not like, well, I've got um, the district attorney is my father. I'm not going to get any charges filed. I know the police chief and I'm in a small town and I can do what I want and I'm covered. But if anyone does not sin, if anyone does sin, which we do, we have an advocate. An advocate is, let me read on. You have, it's, you got a two prong way out. You have a twofold um, way to clean up the mess, your sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice or, or the propitiation, which is in the King James Version. For our sins, and not only our sins, but for also for the sins of the whole world. That's one and two. So let's look at the word advocate. He's our advocate. If we do sin, we have an advocate. We have someone who justifies us, speaks for us, commends us, supports us. That's Christ. And also, we have propitiation. The New International Version doesn't use that word. Propitiation just means to abate it, to erase it, to alleviate it, to amend it. But the atoning sacrifice for our sins is all-encompassing what I just said. So propitiation was always one of these mantra, Episcopalian, Catholic, whatever, religiosity. And we made the distinction last time between faith and your relationship and religiosity. But the propitiation for our sins was never like, what does that mean? I have no clue what that word means. But I like what the New International Version does. It just says his atoning sacrifice for our sins. He died on the cross. Don't minimize the cross. Because Jesus Christ, meek and mild, the lamb and the children and the beard and the long robes and those beautiful deep eyes, he will come again on the second coming. And he won't look like that. You know, they march down the street, no, no, no justice, no peace. 
Amen. There will be a second coming. When? I don't know. Nobody knows. If anyone tells you they know a date, don't believe them. They don't know. He tells us in scripture, he doesn't know. We don't know. But we can have an idea. Things are cooking up. Things are heating up. Things are right that are wrong, wrong that are right. You know, I was going to write a country western, like when men were men and boys weren't girls. So there will be another Jesus coming on the second time, and he will not be the Jesus meek and mild. He will lay down the law, and there will be justice, and there will be penalties for sin. And those who looked upon the cross and his sacrifice did not accept it, rejected it, mocked it, minimized it, and there will be a threshing ground and the war of Armageddon. And that's not figuratively, it's not mythology, it's reality. I've been to Israel. I have seen the valley. I have seen where it's going to take place. And it's not pretty. So listen to these words. If you have ears, let you hear. I am not a Bible teacher. I'm a Bible illustrator. I'm trying to give you something that I yearned for years and years, but through my stubbornness and my pride and just my own self-sufficiency, my own world revolved around me-ism, my materialism, my machoism, kept me from the saving graces of God. And thank God he didn't give up on me. But there will be a time. He says in scripture, there will be a time where I will turn you over to a reprobate mind. Don't ever go there, please. They're talking eternity. We're not talking about tomorrow or a football game or the economy or the pol po politics. Far, far, far deeper. Deeper to the inner part of your soul where if you don't have Christ in your heart, you're not living for him daily. You're dying. You're dying a slow spiritual death. Nothing else can fill that hole. So he is atoning, sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Verse 3, we know that we have come to know him. How? If we keep his commandments, if we keep his commands. Whosoever, whosoever says, I know him, I know Jesus, I got him, I'm good, I got the 1-800 number, I'm locked in, but does not do his commandments is a liar. I don't know how much clearer you can make that. And the truth is not in that person. If anyone obeys his word, the love of God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. How do we know we're saved? How do we know we have Christ? By our actions, by love. Do we accept him? Do we believe it? Do we bring him in? Do we live for him? Do we pray? Do we read his word? Are we consulting him? 
on a daily basis? Do we commune with him? Whosoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Well, how did he live? He lived a sinless life. Can we do that? No. That's why he bridged the gap. There's a gap. There's a chasm. You can read Lazarus in the Old Testament in Hades, dying of thirst, asking, can, he, can someone go through this chasm and tell my brother that there's, there's, there really is a hell? And they said, well, just perform a miracle. Bring me back to life. And he says, well, we've done that. And they still don't believe. They don't believe the prophets and they don't believe the one that came. Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new commandment, but one, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. That's the one of Moses. This old commandment is a message you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him, who's him, and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister, that can be a physical, spiritual, brother or sister, your neighbor, What's the first when the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? He says, to love thy Lord, thy God, with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And what is the second unto it? To love thy neighbor as thyself. I have a story about my neighbor. If we have time, I'll get to it. But I had all sorts of devious plans on how to deal with him until God struck inside me and took that ugly, ugliness out and freed me from him by telling him that I loved him and I meant it with all my heart, not my love. I couldn't do that with that man. I did it with God's love. And I don't have that anymore. If I see him, I'd hug him. I'd help him any way I could. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. You are either in the darkness or you're in the light. You're not halfway. It's not like kind of gray or foggy. You're in the light or you're in the darkness. 12. Why is he writing this to us? I am writing you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Past, present, and future. We made the analogy of the credit card. You ran up credit card on top of credit card on top of credit card, paying credit cards with credit cards until they were canceled, and you had a debt of sin so large, past, present, and future, you could never pay for it. But Christ paid for it. Don't minimize the cross and what happened on the cross. I am writing you fathers because you know him who was from the beginning. Beginning, I am writing you young men because you have overcome the evil one. Then he repeats himself because he wants you to get this. I write you, dear children, because you know the Father. Capitalize Christ, Jesus, three in one oil. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You 
You take the oil out. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Do you have God, the Father? Yeah. Do you have Jesus? Yeah. Which one is which? Three in one oil. The best I can do. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you. This Thanksgiving, we had everyone over. My wife's 22-foot, I'm exaggerating, uh, table, so everybody could sit at the table together. And she always wanted, she got. So we're all sitting there. And I had six grandchildren, and I went down the line. I said, this year, we're going to have the grandchildren lead us in prayer. And to hear those voices, those little voices coming from God, it was a scene. From a five, six-year-old up to a 16-year-old, all with words to God, thanking. So to the young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. How does the word, God, word of God live in young people? School system? I think so. Church? A little bit. Mom? Dad? Grandpa? Grandma? Tia? Tio? You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility once you know the truth. The gospel is literally the good news. The good news. You don't have to be on Bezos or Musk, you know, interplanetary spaceship for 450,000. You have a way out. You know the truth. Spread it. Teach it. Live it. Or maybe I should say it differently. Live it. Spread it. Teach it. You have overcome the evil one. So that's 17. That went pretty fast. I hope I'm still recording. No, I'm sorry, 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. What is the world? It's the world system. It's the world stuff. It's the world glory and glamour and, and how many likes and how many... It's the craziness of the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, loves... If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. You can't serve two masters. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world system is controlled by Satan. And the world and its desires will pass away. But whosoever or whoever does the will of God will live forever. Those that have ears, let them hear. Those that have eyes, let them see. Those that have a spirit, let them listen to the still small voice talking to you right now. Like I said before, if you're on a bus, a train, a plane, in a jungle, in the middle of a divorce, if life has you on the ropes, you have an illness, a sickness, your spiritual life is so much more important. There, there is where it will start. There is the foundation of life. So we're going to stop there on First John. We're going to flip over to John.
So on my Bible, on my phone, I just push the book. Okay, Second Peter, First Peter, James, Hebrew, Philemon, Titus, Second Timothy, First Timothy, Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, Colossians, Philippians, Ephesians, Galatians, Second Corinthians, First Corinthians, Romans, Acts, John. Bingo. First chapter. Bingo. And we left off at eleven. Hmm. Okay. Coincidence, maybe. Okay, so eleven through eighteen is what we're going to try to get to. So eleven says he came to that which was his own, but his own received him not, or did not receive him. Period paragraph right there. Hold it. Who was his own? The Jews. Who did not receive him? Many of the Jews. Most of the Jews. They saw him as a threat. Why? What was happening during the time that he came? Rome was expansive. They were the colonialists. They were in Israel and Palestine, in Judea and Jerusalem, in all parts. And they let the Jews continue with their worship as long as they pay taxes to Caesar, but they were under Roman oppression. They were under the, the, the boot of Rome was on their neck. Who were they looking for? A savior. A savior for what? They wanted a savior on a white horse with swords drawn and run out the Romans. But God came on a donkey. He came with peace. He didn't come with a sword. He will come with a sword later in this book, in this love book. But then he came. So when he first got here, they did not receive him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all that did receive him, to those believed, who believed in his name. All right. Break it down. Twelve. We're in the book of John. Not first John. Book of John. What chapter? One. What verse? Twelve. Yet to all who did receive him. What does receive him? We told you last time. In your heart of hearts. You let him in. You admit you're a sinner. If you don't admit you're a sinner, you're stuck in, on stage one. You make him a liar, you're a liar. You deceive yourself, you deceive him. You need him to come in. You accept what he did. You accept a free gift. You want him to rule and reign in your life. Lord and Savior, not just Savior, not get you off the hook. He wants you. He's a jealous God. He wants you for himself. He made you for a purpose. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, just not the fact, oh yeah, that guy's name was Jesus of Nazareth, that believed in his name, his name is God. His name is that he died on the cross for your sins. To those he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, not of our volition, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. 
You've heard John 3.16 a million times. Nicodemus came to Jesus. What do I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? He says, be born again. How can I enter my mother's womb the second time? It's like, no, you don't get it, dude. This is born spiritually. And this is John telling you again, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. It's a spiritual birth. You can be birthed right now on a subway in your heart of hearts. You don't have to be in a temple, a church, a pastor, an incense. It's you and your creator, naked before the creator. The word became flesh. Who's the word? Logos. Who's Logos? Jesus. He became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He dwelt here among us voluntarily. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. We're not talking about an earthly birth here. We're talking about a spiritual birth far beyond the creation. Because in the beginning, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word dwelt among us. Full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke of about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Chronologically, he wasn't. But spiritually, he was before him. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given for the law was given through Moses, the 10 commandments. Did Moses see God's face? No. We'll come to that in a minute. Who's seeing God? Nobody. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever, 18, seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known to us. God, he's known to us. Have we seen God the Father? No, but we've seen God the Son in earthly form. So, recapping, Moses gave us the Ten Commandments. Jesus is the new commandment. Love thy neighbor. Before the commandment was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I believed that up until, even after I was a Christian, until I figured out, this, no, that's the old. That's the Old Testament. The New Testament is turn the other cheek. Pray for them to despitefully use you. Who says that? Muhammad didn't say it. He said, cut their head off. Christ says, turn the other cheek. If he slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If your enemy despitefully use you, persecute you, even for my name's sake, bless him, pray for him. Whatever 
animosity, pain, hurt, disappointment, betrayal. That ugliness is all balled up inside somebody, inside you maybe. It's not hurting the other person. It's hurting you. It's pulling you down. How do you get rid of it? Someone betrayed you. Somebody lied to you. Someone cheated you. Someone beat you. Someone killed someone in your family. This is not earthly terms. You could in no wise forgive that person. You'd want to kill them. You'd want the eye for the eye and the tooth for the tooth. But God said, no. Pray for them. Pray for them. Because in so doing, you're giving God control of your situation. When you hold it up inside you, all balled up, like an atomic fusion ready to go off. Don't think it doesn't bother you. It keeps you awake at night. It gives in your dreams. You snap at people. Why? You have this ball inside of you. This ugliness. Is it rightfully, humanly deserved? Yes, by all means. You have every right to feel that way. But God says, give it up. I won't go into what my neighbor did, but he did a bunch of stuff that wasn't heinous, but it was really annoying. So for three days, I woke up and I had this like, oh, I'm going to get that guy. I'm going to get that guy. I'm going to get that guy. I had all sorts of evil plans until I said, what am I doing? What is the first great commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. What is the second? Love thy neighbor. He's my neighbor. He's not even my brother, my sister. He's my neighbor. Love him. Love him. Two days later, I saw him. I'm walking my little dog who's right at my feet step right, right now. I said, Russ, that's his real name. I love you in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I come over there right now, I would hug you in love. No matter what you've done or do, I love you. Can I get an amen? And this man said, amen. Right then, something happened to me. I don't know what happened to him. Something happened to me. That pain, that anxiety, that ugliness, gone. It's gone. I don't have it. I don't have it for anybody. Get it out. Get it right. Give your life to Christ. So. Keep reading, keep studying, keep praying, and get on the right side of God. For in there lies your eternity. So until next time, 
I love you, whoever you are, wherever you are, in what country. We're in 24 countries. Someone is hearing this voice. Someone is hearing God's words. I asked God today, you know, I'm going to turn 70 pretty soon. What am, what's my calling? What do you want me to do? Until next time, God bless you and be safe.